fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Increasing in the knowledge of God. Okay, good morning, everyone. I am here today with uh, Coach Wayne Dabbs. He is the head football coach at Mount Vernon Christian Academy in Atlanta. And remember, what we're doing here is we're talking to football coaches. We started off with the YouTube channel, Getting in the Mind of a Champion. And so you think, well, I'm just going to talk to championship football coaches. Where there's a lot of champion coaches who are doing more with less. They might not be winning championships, but they are doing more with less talent than championship coaches are doing. So I believe that there's champion coaches everywhere we look. And I think a lot of you, you relate to these coaches and they're in the same situation as you. We all have a lot, every school you go to, they have their unique trials and struggles. And I'm going to talk to Coach Dabbs about that. I hope you guys can get something from this today. But Coach Dabbs, thanks, thanks for being on the show today. Um, tell us a little bit about your background because you know, here's what I know about Mount Vernon. I know it used to be a horrible football team because they're in our region and, and we played them. And then you got there, and of all the teams we played this year, we played we played Marist, all, all the teams. You played us better than anyone. You scored more points against us than any team that we played this year. And your defense, I'm an offensive guy, your defense gave us a headache. So tell us a little bit about where you came from, the culture of Mount Vernon, when you got there, and what you've done to develop a football program. Okay. Um, start by just thanking you for uh, the opportunity, reaching out to me um, several years ago. Um, I think that this is a great thing you're doing. The podcast is um, something really special. The fact that you're going out and reaching the coaches, um, trying to find, find out what people are doing, building relationships with people, um, I think that's incredible. You were uh, one of the first pe people I reached out to several years ago because I, I knew that you guys were doing things right, um, not necessarily just on the field, but you were just a great leader, a good Christian example um, that I just flocked to, and I appreciate your mentorship with me over the last four years and uh, the friendships and the questions and the things that I've asked you. So I appreciate you phone calling me and uh, giving me this chance. But, yeah, a little bit about myself and um, where I came from. I'm from Alabama. My dad was a high school football coach in the state of Alabama. He still is. He's an athletic director. Um, he is my hero. Anybody that knows me very well knows that um, he's the guy that I look to for pretty much anything that I've done in my life. Um, I saw the example and the, the young men that he changed because of uh, his example and investment in them. Um, so from a young age, I witnessed what my dad um, did, and I wanted to do that. So I went to college at University of the Cumberlands in Kentucky, um, played four years there. Um, then I went to West Georgia as a grad assistant, and then Cumberland U in Nashville um, as a quarterbacks coach at Murray State as a running back coach, and then I uh, got into high school. I got married uh, to my wife, Lindsay, who's my best friend, um, and we've got three small children. Um, I moved to Alabama, got into high school as a head football coach at Tabernacle Christian. Uh, there in Gardendale, was there three seasons. Uh, my dad and I actually got to coach together um, at the school. My dad was the head coach. I got into high school. He really wanted me to come back there, so he actually took over as the offensive coordinator and allowed me to be the head football coach there. So um, that was a pretty remarkable opportunity once in a lifetime. We won back-to-back -back state championships uh, my second and third year there um, in the state of Alabama. And then uh, 
moved to Westminster over here in Atlanta, coached the offensive line, and now just finished our fourth season at Mount Vernon. Um, you know, it's, you know, to answer your next question about the culture and whatnot and what we kind of stepped into, I mean, it was a challenge, um, to say the least. Um, we, you know, we came over and interviewed, loved the campus, loved the facilities, uh, met a few of the kids, and uh, truly fell in love with the vision of where uh, the potential of where we could go. And uh, we just got to work. Um, we weren't trying to compare ourselves to anybody else. Um, we just knew that we had a group of young men, and we actually had a young lady um, on our team that year as a kicker. And uh, we just started investing in their lives and uh, took it one day at a time. And, and you know, four years later, here we are trying to continue that, that process. I think, um, you know, and it was a process for you. I know last, I think 2017, you made the playoffs. And this year, 2018, you won a playoff game. And then you got uh, paired up with Athens Academy. And and you went toe-to-toe with them. And so, you know, like everybody thinks, well, I'm just going to go somewhere and I'm going to win instantly. Well, you got to change the culture. Talk about changing the culture of the mentality of the players and even the administration where you are? Yeah, yeah, that's, those are great questions. And everything you just said right on. We, when, when I came from Westminster and came to Mount Vernon, I was thinking, man, we're going to go run the table. This is single-A private. I didn't know enough, a, a lot about single-A private. And our athletic director, who I know you know very well, Brad Dem, we sat down one day in the summer and he said, you're going to be surprised. He said, you'll be shocked at how good the coaches are in single like private and in, in my opinion i think there's potentially the best coaches are in single like private because you don't just get to uh hey this is the offense we're going to run this we're going to recruit and these are the defense that we're going to run you really each year it can look different because you just don't have the numbers that a lot of places have so you really have to adapt to your personnel group so what you said is right on they we had to come in and, and really uh change the mindset, um, which takes time. You know, I'm a Christian. Um, wherever I go, that's the ultimate example. That's the ultimate goal is to point people to Jesus Christ. And uh, you start there. So when we came to Mount Vernon, we wanted to make sure that the people knew what we stood for. We were men of integrity and character um, and allow the Lord to use you in those areas, use your platform to glorify him. And, and a lot of things take care of itself. But we just got to work. Um, we started investing in these families. I'm sorry, investing in these young kids. They'd gone through three or four coaches in a few years that, um, you know, they didn't know if they could trust us. They didn't know if we were just coming in for a year or two and leaving. Um, was able to surround ourselves with some really good coaches um, that have stayed with us. And these guys are my best friends. I mean, they, they challenge me uh, spiritually. We, we have devotions together. We spend a lot of time together outside of just football. Um, these are role models and examples that that really any kid will be fortunate to be able to, to play under and to coach under or coach with. Um, but we start building relationships with these kids. Um, we started to think called player development, um, where every kid is linked to a position coach. And they meet um, usually weekly, and we just got to know them. Um, we started investing in the whole person, not just the athlete, um, but the whole person, the academic side, the social side. We wanted to find out you know, their favorite colors, what they like doing on the weekends, and, you know, all these things that have nothing to do with a win on a Friday night. It was getting to know these young people. And, uh, yes, you know, we, we don't get the kids long enough. You, 
best case scenario, you get a kid for four years, and that's just not enough time. Right. So you can't you can't waste time. You got to invest in them. You got to find out everything about them. Um, so we just started doing that. Um, when he got to the field, we knew we'd take our lumps. We knew we had the Elkas of the world. We had you know Landmark uh, was rolling at the time, and we had some really good teams in our region. We we didn't try to compare ourselves to anybody. Uh, we didn't look and say, look what they have. It was, you know, you can't waste time on what you don't have. You don't have enough time. So we started focusing on what we do have, and this is the kids that we have, and this is what we're going to do. And we started a workout program, and kids were like sponges. Um, they, they bought into it and started trying to create something that, you know, I remember some coaches would come to me my first couple of weeks here, and they would say, you need to get this kid to play, or you need to get that kid to play. And I said they will, but they got to see that they're missing out on something. So we started building a culture to where kids couldn't help but want to be a part of it, you know. And uh, success started. We won four and, four and six the first year. Um, we went six and five and made the playoffs the second year. Um, and then seven and five the next year. And then this year we went eight and four. One one thing you you said there, you know, you can't focus on what you don't have, and 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 you didn't come in and and try to focus on the Elkas and the landmarks. Let's just take care of ourselves. Let's let's right. focus on us. I talked to Jason Crayer the other day at Metacreek. My focus can't be on Norcross and beating teams like that. Our focus has to be on us. I think that's a huge mistake that coaches make when they go into a program that needs to be built and they start setting their eyes in on the biggest and the best, and they try to paint that vision, but the problem with painting that vision is it's not going to happen overnight. You need to paint a vision of short-term success, and short, and, and really, you become the very best you that you can become. Let's become the very best team that we can become, and let's see what happens. And even, even with me, I still say that, like, you know, I don't. We're not going to talk about anybody. We're not going to worry about anybody else because there is enough worry with ourselves. Right. Yeah. yeah um, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. We uh, we just said that. You know, we don't have enough time with the kids anyway. So if you're if you're trying to control things you can't control, you're you're missing out on days and minutes that you could be investing in what you do have. Um, the way I look at it, uh, you talk about Elka and. We, you know, you know how I feel about you. What we take from good programs is we try to learn as much as we can from those programs, and then try to implement it to what we can do with your, with your current school. Um, so the first thing I did when I got to Mount Vernon is I said, "Who's the best?" Because I just didn't know a lot about Sing Lane Province. So I said, "Who's the best?" And obviously, Jonathan Guess and Elka, and at the time it was Wayne Brantley at Landmark. So I was like sponges i called you guys i text you guys yep. i wanted to find out what you did in the off season and it wasn't like i was trying to be you i just wanted to find out what you guys did to have success and then we tried to see what we had in mount vernon and we tried to implement our version our like you said the best version of ourselves um here at mount vernon where things that you do that, that we just can't do but there's things that you do that we can do and there's you created some ideas that maybe y'all haven't thought about so uh, we don't we don't focus on things we can't control. Um, you could you can, you can pass a lot of opportunities and memories you could be making with the things you can't control um, here at Mount Vernon. So that's what we try to focus on. That's a good point. A lot of coaches, when they find you know they find out a team wins, and they instantly start saying this. Well, they cheat, they recruit, blah blah. blah. They start making excuses, 
And it's almost like just, you know, they don't want anything to do with that program and that coach. Well, they cheat, they recruit. And, and I'm the opposite because when I first started coaching in single A, Larry Campbell was the man. And there, and there was a few others. Kenny Dallas was at Landmark. Just like you call, calling me, I would call Larry Campbell, and as long as the man would talk to me, I would talk to him. Kenny yeah. Dallas, I thought he was – I just didn't know how to manage grown men. So I would call Kenny, and he, he would give me great advice. But anybody uh, – Coach Dickerson, I, I got to be coach, great friends with Coach Dickerson at Clinch County because I wanted to know. Um right. You know, and it's, it's, it's like foolish to just be, oh, they cheat, they recruit. Most of the time, when you really go study a team that wins, just like if, if you go study Alabama and Clemson, they have resources you don't have. They have things that you don't have that allow them to win. Like for me, people don't realize this. I'm 20 minutes from Grayson. I'm 10 minutes, five minutes from Stockbridge. I'm five minutes from Dutchtown. These are all teams that win at a very high level, at a high classification. What's my point? Well, that's the talent that lives where I'm at. Right. Yeah. And I think what people don't realize about Mount Vernon is you are North Atlanta. I'm South Atlanta. You're North Atlanta. And every just like there's a public school every time you take a right turn in North Atlanta, there's a private school every time you take a right turn in North Atlanta. So for you guys to win at a high level when you're having to compete with the Marists, the Lovists, the Westminsters, the Wesleyans, the GACs, you know, the campuses that look like, you know, better than Harvard's yeah. campus. Yeah, yeah. It's all, it is like, I mean, that's why I would never consider myself a better coach than you. I look at, oh my goodness, I don't know how he wins a game at Mount Vernon. And um, speak to that, like how hard it is. Like you talked about, you know, everybody assumes single A private. We all just recruit and we we cheat. Really, it's very very hard to get kids to come to your school and then stay at your school. It is. Um, you know, it is very difficult in Melbourne, and you could was me, Car, but it, it's tough because you are competing with some really really good schools. Um, I could throw a rock and hit six private schools that, that have been around longer than we have and, and have, you know, a storied tradition and, you know, you can't ever fault a young man or a young lady that decides to go to a, one of those schools um, over Mount Vernon because we're still growing our program. Uh, we're, you know, we're about to open the doors at one of the best high school uh, new buildings, state of the art. Uh, you need to come by and see it. Um, but it opens in August, just trying to, you know, compete with these local schools that that we we have to, but um, it, it makes it tough. But like I said, we we just invest in the young person, try to build relationships with them. The ones that we have, um, you know, there are some really good schools that that have a lot to offer, um, but we don't really focus on it. To be honest with you, um, we're, we're thankful for for what we have and, and God's blessing here at Mount Vernon, and we got. 60 young kids that, that are counting on us to invest in them. And um, that's that's what our focus is on. And um, if it's not, then we're, we're doing the ones that we have a, a disservice um, because there's families that, that do believe in Mount Vernon. We've got one of the best communities. Um, we have the best headmaster that I've ever worked for, and Brett Jacobson, our athletic director, who you know well, Brad Dim, and um, associate athletic director Dusty Bennett. These guys 
are all for Mount Vernon. Our community's bought into it. Our school's growing. Um, so we just try to focus on that. We, you know, it, it is easy to look down the street and say, wow, I wish that we had. Um, but if you're not careful, you, you let that bleed into your entire life. And you, you're married for 30 years and, you, and you're saying, man, I wish that, that I had, you know, a 25 year old or that type mentality or, you, know, you just can't go through life like that. You got to go through life being thankful for what God's given to you. He's uh, he's got you at the spot that you are. You got a platform, and and that's our coaches, our players. That's that's our one heartbeat that we try to get better, make our team better, and and that's what we focus on. Yeah, you tell Brad Diem, and he knows this, but uh, my entire passing game basically came from Brad Diem, um, and I haven't ever changed it except I, I keep eliminating stuff. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I was about to say you throw it about once a game, maybe twice. So. Well, we, you know, I mean, we we don't want to, but we will if we have to. <laughs> but it, but it's all Brad Dem uh, passes, and probably still call it the same thing that he taught me. Um, one one thing that you you mentioned. First of all, let me ask you this: How many students for for coaches listening out there? How many students do you have in your high school? Uh, we have about four hundred. All right, so you have 400 students in your high school. I talked to a high school coach the other day. I don't know what his high school numbers were. I know his, I know, I mean, how many students were in his high school. I know his football team had roughly 50, 60 football players, and we were talking, and he was really discouraged because he was argue, not really arguing, but he had found out that the basketball coach was telling the basketball players not not to play football and – you know, he thought he was going to have some baseball players play football, and they didn't come out, and he was really discouraged. And I think at the single-A level, the smaller school level, probably even the higher the higher level, you can get really discouraged when you see that freak athlete walk in the hallways, and you can't get him out there to play football. He just won't do it, and maybe you feel like somebody's working against you. How do you handle that at a small school? I'm sure you saw it at Westminster. I'm sure you saw it in Alabama. What do you do to develop relationships with those coaches? What's your strategy behind that? All that. That is a really that is a great question um, because you see it everywhere. Every, everywhere that I've been, um, you're going to have a little uh, resistance from from coaches or whatnot. Um, I think it comes back to communication and relationships. Um, do I wish that we had, you know, every one of our basketball kids play football or every one of our baseball kids play football? Absolutely. Um, do I get it um, that, you know, certain kids um, are focused on one sport? You know, I can. Uh, the world we live in and, you know, you get so much pressure from uh, the outside circumstances and sources that you can't control that, are pulling these kids saying you need to focus on one sport and if you don't then there's no chance you're ever gonna you know, we've got some lacrosse kids that you know that are year round you know and baseball kids that are year round see i tell them the opposite i tell them if you're such a horrible athlete you have to focus on one sport you're done <laughs> that's so true it is it is so in high school if, in high school yeah if we have issues with that i really try to go sit down with that coach and um and discuss it with them but it is a. We had the, the issues at Westminster. Um, we have very few here at, at Mount Vernon. Most of our kids are multi-sport athletes here. Uh, we're just not a big enough school um, to not have. You know, we promote it big time. Everyone, it's a requirement almost from us. If you play football, you're playing 
a winter sport, a spring sport, you're going to help support our athletic program. So we're, we're big believers and promoters for that. Um, if we did have an issue with that, I would go sit down with that coach. And we would try to um, work through that for sure. But we have 400 kids. Half of those are boys. Um, we need every single one of them playing every single one of our sports if we can make it happen. So You said something. You know, I'm taking notes as you talk. You said something earlier, and I think this is what a high school coach, football coach, you can't make kids want to play football. It's a different thing. You have it's physical. Yeah, you know, I tell the basketball players all the time. You know, it's ninety five degrees when we practice. Y'all go into a gym that's air conditioning. I mean, you know, so I make fun of them. And but you said we're not. We don't have the program where we want it to yet. But we have to make it be something that they want to be a part of. And I think that's the thing as a coach. You constantly have to make your program something that the kids want to be a part of. And you keep talking about relationships, whether it be with the coaches or the players. You've you've talked uh, about both. But you cannot make your sport be something that those kids want to be a part of if you do not invest in a great relationship with them make them like you make them want to be around you and then they just might want to play football for you that's right um and going back to you know early on we were, we were talking about that and coaches are saying you need to talk to this kid and this kid and we said they're, they're going to come out i promise they will um but you have to get like you said you have to build a relationship with them where they don't start avoiding you in the hallways. Every time you pass and you're talking football, no, get to know them. Find out about them. Find out their interests they have. They might not be a great fit for your football program, but they might be a great, you know, artist, or they might be really good in track. Go support them. Sit in the stands. If they're in drama, go watch a, go watch a play. They need to see that you're really going to invest in them and that you love them and you care about them regardless if you're playing football or not. And eventually they're going to end up coming out just because they want to be around you and they want to be around your coaches and they want to be around that environment because it's, it is contagious. Um, success is contagious. And, and I know you talk about being a champion and I've read your, you know, demand excellence book and thought it was great. Thanks um, for that plug, about, man. Thanks for that what's plug. What's that? I said, thanks for that plug on my book. Thanks for yeah, promoting a, it for it's me. It's a great book. Um, I was going through, um, that book at the same I didn't time tell him to do that. I was going through that book the same time I was going through an A.W. Tozer book, and yours was a much easier read, so I just jumped in, and I read it in about 30 minutes. <laughs> hey, most high school football coaches, you have no idea who A.W. Tozer is, nor could you read his material. Neither can I. I tried. I tried to read a paragraph one time. I had no clue what I read. Yeah, I used to have to, I have to close the door. I can have no distractions just trying to read through that about a paragraph is no, but it is a great book. I mean, you talk about being a champion, and we use the word success here um, because success is really measured in a – people measure success in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, success could be a young man, you know, makes a B on, a, on an exam that he struggled with. That's a, that's a success story. Um, you know, a young man says no to drugs, and a young man makes the right choice and doesn't go to a party that he knows he, he shouldn't be a part of. So – um, we try to instill that mentality in our young people and they carry that over into the classroom and they're your leaders in the classroom, they're your leaders in the community. And if you're not a part of that, you can tell a difference. 
and you're like, I want to be a part of whatever they're doing. I want to do that. Um, so we start with relationships. We invest in them. We talked about, you know, we started the player development within within our football program. Uh, we have, you know, a Mustangs in training where our football our varsity guys are coaching our, our little first graders on Saturdays in flag football. So, you know, natural, natural bridge is a first grader looks up to a senior. But what if that senior is investing also back in the first grader's life? So we try to build a community where it's a two-way street for both of them. They both invest in each other. We have mentorship programs that we do. We have tutoring programs where you know, our, our students have tutors if they have issues, but we also link a ninth grader and a 10th grader with an 11th or 12th grader um, that's already taken that class to help mentor them and to be a, a guide for them. We have our teachers, um, we have our ninth through 12th graders every home game um, pick a teacher um, for uh, Teacher of the Week. So we give them in a jersey, they come out for the coin toss. Um, a lot of times we try to encourage you know, some of those, those ninth graders to find a teacher that maybe wouldn't be at the game on a Friday, and let's make sure they're our Teachers of the Week. Um, and make them feel important and special. Um, Each and, class and does that, like your ninth graders, tenth graders, eleventh graders. So you have four teachers, or you just pick one. No, we have four teachers. Sweet. Yeah, each class picks the teacher of the week. We get them in a jersey. They're out there for the coin toss. Um, just another way to find ways to get those teachers involved outside of the classroom. Because the same way with the teachers. I mean, teaching and coaching is a calling. I mean, it's a special, special person who's got to do that. So if every time you see your teacher, you're in a classroom. It's not a great relationship. So let's find ways to get those teachers out onto a football field. Let's find ways for our, our, our coaches to get into a classroom and, and do some reading with our middle school students and things like that. So we just try to really invest in our entire community. Every role is important. I mean, I'm saying everything. I'm not saying anything that people don't already know. But uh, I'm actually sitting here thinking that if my headmaster listens to this podcast, he's going to fire me and hire you. I don't do any of this stuff. I'm writing all this down. Well, no, he doesn't need to ever fire you. Um. So you you know we're almost out of time here, and Clemson always will send out. They didn't this year. They might you, but usually the high school football coaches they'll send out a packet packet of information out or whatever. And I think a few years ago it came, and I I got this thing and this football player. And on it, it says, bloom where you're planted. I think, and I mentioned this with Jason Crayer or somebody the other day, what we do as football coaches, we always try to win. And then when we start winning, we start setting our eyes on the next job. Let me do this. Let me do this. You know, yeah. and, But that's not really a biblical thing. A biblical thing is bloom where you're planted. And you mentioned that earlier. Here's where God has put me. Let me do my absolute best in preaching Jesus Christ and glorifying God in what I do and then let God be in control of everything else. Yeah. Yeah, and that's easier said than done. You know, Absolutely. It's a words. daily battle. Um, and you and I have talked about that conversation because I know as, as much, and you're a very humble individual anyways, but as much success, and this is no secret, as much success as you've had at Elka, I'm sure there's been opportunities outside of Elko for you over the last several years. And I've had that conversation with you too is, um, you know, stay the course. God's got you at a spot. I go back to the, the, the thought of uh, in scripture where David is, is, you know, out in the field 
watching over his sheep because that's where God's got him at. He's busting his tail. He's throwing slingshots and killing bears and lions. Anybody that's trying to come and mess with his sheep, and that's he's, he's using his platform and, and where God's got him at. And then his dad presents an opportunity for him to go and bring a lunch to his brothers that are all fighting fighting the war. So he says, let me do that, but let me go back and take care of where God's got me first. So he goes back and he takes care of make sure his sheep's are going to be fine, and then he goes to bring the lunch to his brother, and then God's got another opportunity for him there to kill Goliath. But the first thing that the most important part of that whole story is, let me go back and take care of where God's got me first. And that's the thing about us is, be where your feet are at. Um, God will open the doors. You got to have patience. Our male egos. You have a little bit of success, and all of a sudden it's like, where could I go next? And you're going to miss out on the young people that are currently right in front of you. And a lot of times we, we get to where we're looking, the grass is greener in certain areas and things like that, um, and that's that's the natural man. Um, but if you allow God to use you, you, you have a daily walk with him, um, your ultimate goal can't be winning. Your ultimate goal needs to be a, be a platform, be, be somebody that points young people to Jesus Christ. And if we never win another football game, but you got young people that are coming back and, and standing on the sideline and, and cheering for you, or they're calling you and saying, "Hey, um, getting married this weekend," or "Hey, we just had our first, you know, child." Those are those are success stories, and that's what it's about. Um, it's not about chasing that money. It's not about chasing uh, the next job. God's got you where you're at. Take advantage of it and, and focus on on where your feet are at. Last thing, because this is a really good conversation, and and obviously the podcast is geared towards Christian coaches, Christian leaders. Hopefully, people that are sitting on the fence, they believe in God, but don't really serve him. Hopefully, you know, you'll get something out of this as well. But one thing I think people need to understand, we keep talking about preaching Jesus Christ to our players. I preach Jesus Christ to my players all the time. Not, not many of them have surrendered their life to Jesus Christ. Not many of them live their life in a, in a way that you would think that they're a Christian. They would all probably say that they believe they're at a Christian school, but, but they haven't surrendered their life to Christ. And even if I was in college, you do not have to be a Christian to play for me. You do not have to be a Christian for me to love you. We, we just have a relationship with Jesus Christ who, who saved us from hell by dying on the cross for our sins and, and we have a personal relationship with him. The Holy Spirit has transformed us and made us new creatures. And every day is convicting us of our sin. We want to share this because this is the hope of the world, Jesus Christ. Now, if you don't accept Christ and you don't believe in Christ, which many of my football players don't, that doesn't mean I don't love you. And that doesn't mean you're not going to play football for me. Right. Yep. You're exactly right. All we are is vessels. That's right. And we point it, and, and it's up to the Holy Spirit to speak to their hearts. But, you know, we, we coach our kids hard, and we want to have success on the football field, and we're going to grind it out, and we're going to work hard in the weight room and be in shape, and, and absolutely. Um, but that's just – that's our focal point is Jesus Christ. Um, but like you said, that's – we love our kids. <laughs> A lot of our kids probably aren't, aren't Christians either, so uh, we, we're just vessels for him. Yeah, I know. Well, um, time is up, and I uh, appreciate you talking with me. I've learned a lot. Man, I'm sitting here taking notes. I hope everybody listens to this. Um, and let me pray for us, and we'll be done. Thanks, guys. 
Lord, we come before you today. I just want to praise and thank you for loving us. I praise and thank you for Coach Dabs and his commitment to Jesus Christ, his commitment to his players, not just trying to win football games, but, Lord, trying to create winners and build champions. Lord, I appreciate his friendship and all the things I learned from him today. I pray that you would just continue to bless his work there. Um, and as he ministers to the coaches around him, the parents around here, him, the fans around him, his community, uh, and his players, Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name, Amen. God, increasing in the knowledge of God, increasing in the knowledge of God, increasing, 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 increasing in the knowledge of God.